Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio.
last voice. Enjoy this next song. I'll be right back with you. The call in number is 858-815-2333. Once again, 858-815-2333. And I will play Betty and the Jets by TV Girl.
Embrace it. 
Petra is beyond. She is striking gold on the dance floor, all oiled up. It started out as gas. Alas, her drink slipped, modestly drenching her see-through night on the town gown while she had held court in the Lux Lounge way up high. Roman is amused, but tries to avoid making the sudden newfound pleasure known. Petra plays the fool, continuing her sway, her shimmy, her excitable thrusts, swings, and struts, leading the way. All atop six-inch steel wheels. The damn thing just won't quit. No, really. Whose divine theory was made into a plan of action here anyway? This endless procession of treadmill. As if this hot powerhouse needed any workout. Petra reels in Roman's furtive gaze and grins a mile wide. Oops. Petra mouths as she slowly turns her VIP goblet onto its underbelly, painting her purposefully too small negligee with deep scarlet spirits. There will be whistles galore. Meanwhile, Roman and Petra alike are all wrapped up in her velvet. Petra widens her eyes. Oops. Roman mouths back, swallowing hard. Squirming in seductive falsetto, Petra makes a few pathetic attempts to dry off. The elements notwithstanding, the spirits make tiny teardrops at the mountaintops of her ridiculously erect nipples. Magic! Petra shouts over the circus absorbed within them. Puffy to perky, all in one go. Petra smiles, leaning in as Roman draws near, all the better. Bravo, my belle, Roman croons. Petra runs the back of her hand absentmindedly over the front of Roman's pants. Petra pipes up, Aha! Voila! She feels good inside. A host draws near. Mademoiselle? Petra reaches out for Roman, cupping his ass cheek from behind. No, no, thank you, it's fine. We'll, we'll be going. My ride's here, Petra volunteers, winking at the staff. Enter Johnny Otto. There he is. I am Johnny's pet, Petra chuckles, as Roman grips her hand tightly to keep up. Johnny is jar. Party of two and a half, Johnny intimates with reserved discretion as a temporary chattel claim assignment. Where do we tell? Roman begins. Don't you worry. Petra rubs Roman's knee gingerly. Johnny's got everything under control. Petra is suddenly overwhelmed. Petra lays her head atop Roman's khakis, creating a very hard and humid situation. Three, two, one. Johnny has arrived. Uh, uh, Roman stutters. Roman is a bit of a mess. A stowaway ejects smoothly from the door, proffering an assortment of complimentary tissue. Roman flusters about, moderately embarrassed. He looks to the east of himself. Wow. How did it know where I live? Roman continues to peer out of the window. Did you leave your light on? We can read, you know, Petra cautions gently. Oh, Roman sighs. Um, thanks, Roman bellows uncomfortably into the voice box which separates the chattel from the operator. Much obliged, Johnny affirms solemnly. Mm. Now, where were we? Petra purrs distractedly, prodding her new favorite thing. 322 Kings Court, Utopia, Swartzen Bridge, recalls Johnny. Petra rolls her semi-permanent autumn green eyes. Johnny is at a full stop. A Roman is released upon exit. Petra's dismount, however is delayed. She pauses a moment, but all are silent. Ugh! 
Donnie! Petra squeals for precisely 20 seconds. Let me go! Roman looks on in suspended disbelief. You, my pet, have not arrived at your... Petra interjects, fucking bullshit, Johnny! Petra gathers Roman's coat and lifts it up from her lap towards the auto lights. Throwing it over her nipple-length chocolatey mane, she slips her hands into Roman's sleeves. You have changed, Johnny reports. Johnny is ajar. Standing momentarily akimbo on the sidewalk, Roman and Petra soon advance onwards towards Roman's high-rise. Looking back, Petra tugs her left boob ever so slightly while pointedly winking her right eye. I will put you in my pocket. À l'époque du secondaire, toutes les choses qu'on a pu faire Maintenant que j'y pense, c'est trop marrant On avait moins de soucis, on pouvait profiter de la vie On sentait incompris, excepté par notre gang d'amis C'était comme ma deuxième famille, savait que j'ai tout appris Quand j'en parle, j'ai yeux qui brisent, l'oublierai jamais promis C'est sûr que tout n'est pas parfait, mais les problèmes t'es pas les mêmes Je regrette pas les choix que j'ai fait, ça a été ça mon vrai baptême J'étais jamais chez mes parents, toujours ça go avec mes chums Pour eux autres, c'était inquiétant, pendant que je fêtais au maximum Je me sentais libre comme l'air, je faisais toujours tout ce qui me tentait si mes moyens me le permettaient, sinon je cherchais une passe à faire C'est là que j'ai commencé à vendre, tous mes profits partaient ensemble Puis fallait pas que je me fasse surprendre, ou qu'à l'école je me fasse suspendre Des choses que j'avais pas mal d'absence, quand j'étais là c'était sous substance C'était pas brillant quand j'y repense, mais à dos égal à expérience Back in the days, back, back in the days À l'époque c'était moins rock, c'était pas du tout les mêmes problèmes Yo, back in the days, back, back in the days Je regrette rien de ce que j'ai fait, j'ai forgé mon caractère Back in the days, back, back in the days À l'époque c'était moins rough, c'était pas du tout les mêmes problèmes Yo, back in the days, back, back in the days Je regrette rien de ce que j'ai fait, j'ai forgé mon caractère Je peux te le dire, presque toujours de quoi faire Les fins de semaine c'était l'enfer On a le fait des conneries Puis ça c'est à part de ce que j'oublie Dû à des mélanges non réfléchis Mais ça déménage, ça rafraîchit On avait toujours des parties Puis en avait pas, on le partait Dès qu'une piole t'est libérée On chargeait de s'en accaparer Sinon on se ramassait en ville Sa rue Saint-Jean Ben c'est plein des petites soirées Relax, chill, mais ça valait quand même la peine Bon c'est la nuit ta belle étoile Avec mes chums pis de la bière Des femmes pis du weed C'est sûr que ça va le faire Mais l'emmène mal de bloc Mais bavé plus de stock bon, Falloir que je backfuck ou que j'aille un coup de love. Mais je suis pas un gars chanceux, donc direction le pawn shop. Trop de CD perdu, je m'en veux, j'ai pas eu le choix de mettre un stop. Allez donc, je me trouve une job parce que quand je vendais, je fumais le profit. Besoin d'argent pour mes sorties, faut que je du monde, je pas un snob. Back in the days, back, back in the days. À l'époque, c'était moins rough, c'était pas du tout les mêmes problèmes. Yo, back in the days, back, back in the days. Je regrette rien de ce que j'ai fait, j'ai forgé mon caractère. Back in the days, back, back in the days À l'époque c'était moins rough, c'était pas du tout les mêmes problèmes Yo, back in the days, back, back in the days J'regrette rien de ce que j'ai fait, j'ai forgé mon caractère À ce temps je j'étais tellement bien Mais je m'en rendais pas compte avant Parce qu'il y en a eu des moments durs J'anticipais même à mon futur Plusieurs questions sur mon avenir Je me demandais ce que je vais devenir Je savais que c'était top de réussir C'était à moi de bouger, d'agir C'était à petit, moins de liberté L'entrée de nouvelles obligations Me v'là avec un premier char À cause de ça, ma paye à fond En plus de salaire minimum moi je donnais mon maximum J'accumulais un paquet de dettes Avec le temps je vois que ça se répète À 19 mon first appart Je pensais que je serais bien Mais c'est le contraire Nos monnaies j'arrivais Je m'en penserais bien Mais quoi je peux faire Pour bien vivre ça prend du cash Donc il fallait que je me prenne en main Puis arrêter de remettre en main Sinon ça reste c'est comme une tâche Avec le temps j'ai compris Que ça sera plus jamais pareil La belle époque c'est fini sont les choses qui m'émerveillent C'est pour ça que ma vie d'ado Miss Parce que j'avais pas toutes ces chaînes Qui m'ont donné toute cette haine Qui fait de moi une personne pessimiste Back in the days back, back in à l'époque c'était moins rough, c'était pas du tout les mêmes problèmes Yo, back in the days, back, back in the days J'regrette rien de ce que j'ai fait, j'ai forgé mon caractère
And we're back. You're listening to Playtime with Simon Radio. And I'm your hostess, Sandra London of LivingBrian.com. This song is the church where Benny and the Jet by TV Girl, Bodies by Yatsav, uh, Catastrophe by Cairo Braga, Subnautics by SPCC. And then you heard uh, my short form Erectica titled The Autonomous Booty. Um, read aloud by yours truly, Sandra London of LivingGrind.com. Uh, and after that, you heard Back in the Day by the group Zero um, 418 for Capitol Music, if you want to say it in French. Alrighty, so up next, I'm going to pick up some songs. I was actually listening to a lot of older songs earlier today, some from like back in my high school and early college days and then some that I don't know that I just discovered um, not on the traditional radio and times of late but I just really liked um, uh, some of their videos and music from back when I first began uh, around the time I first began with TechnologicLivingGrind.com so yeah I, I'll share with you some of those artists um, I'll see you now, I'll see you later. But yeah, I was listening to My Clenjean, um, God Till November, Princess Mother Down, uh, Down Garden, Black Little Sun, Rage Against the Machine, Only in the Name, uh, PM Dawn, Set Adrift, On Memory Bliss, um, Put Your Lights On, Santana, stuff like this. <laughs> um, and then some newer stuff like Bloody Angel and My Avatar. Yeah, uh, I'll be right back with you. I was going to see like a show playing those kinds of songs, um, but yeah, it's kind of last minute to um, make sure that that would all go well. So I'm going to go with some goodies that are within my online studio here for your show tonight. <laughs> the call in number is 858 
Tuesday, the 12th day of May in the year 2015 at 1.42 a.m. And I am going to do a reading of one chapter of Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, written by Robert Louis Stevenson of Scotland and published in the U.S. in 1886 in the month of January. The first chapter is Story of the Door. Recording for you now, live by Sandra London. Mr. Utterson, the lawyer, was a man of a rugged countenance that was never lighted by a smile. Cold, scanty, and embarrassed in discourse. Backward in sentiment. Lean, long, dusty, dreary, and yet somehow lovable. At friendly meetings and when the wine was to his taste, something eminently human beaconed from his eye, something indeed which never found its way into his talk, 
but which spoke not only in these silent symbols of the after-dinner face, but more often and loudly in the act of his life. He was austere with himself, drank gin when he was alone to mortify a taste for vintages. And though he enjoyed the theater, it had not crossed the doors of one for 20 years. But he had an approved tolerance for others, sometimes wondering, almost with envy, at the high pressure of spirits involved in their misdeeds and in any extremity inclined to help rather than to reprove. I inclined to Cain's heresy, he used to say quaintly. I let my brother go to the devil in his own way. In this character, it was frequently his fortune to be the last reputable acquaintance and the last good influence in the lives of downgoing men. And to such as these, so long as they came about his chambers, he never marked a shade of change in his demeanor. No doubt the feat was easy to Mr. Utterson, for he was undemonstrative at the best, and even his friendship seemed to be founded in a similar capacity of good nature. It is the mark of a modest man to accept his friendly circle ready-made from the hands of opportunity, and that was the lawyer's way. His friends were those of his own blood, or those whom he had known the longest. His affections like ivy, or the growth of time. They implied no aptness in the object. Hence, no doubt, the bond that united him to Mr. Richard Enfield, his distant kinsman, the well-known man about town. It was a nut to crack for many what these two could see in each other or what subject they could find in common. It was reported by those who encountered them in their Sunday walks, but they said nothing looked singularly dull, and would hail with obvious relief the appearance of a friend. For all that, the two men put the greatest store by these excursions, counted them the chief jewel of each week, and not only set aside occasions of pleasure, but even resisted the calls of business, that they might enjoy them uninterrupted. It chanced on one of these rambles that their way led them down a by-street in a busy quarter of London. The street was small and what is called quiet, but it drove a thriving trade on the weekdays. The inhabitants were all doing well, it seemed, and all emulously hoping to do better still and laying out the surplus of their grains and coquetry. So the shop front stood along that thoroughfare with an air of invitation, like rows of smiling saleswomen. Even on Sunday, when it veiled its more florid charms and lay comparatively empty of passage, the street shone out in contrast to its dingy neighborhood, like a fire in a forest. And with its freshly painted shutters, well-polished brasses, and general cleanliness and gaiety of notes, instantly caught and pleased the eye of the passenger. Two doors from one corner, on the left hand, going east, the line was broken by the entry of a court. And just at that point, a certain sinister block of building thrust forward its gable on the street. It was two stories high, showed no window, nothing but a door on the lower story and a blind forehead of discolored wall on the upper. A bore in every feature the marks of prolonged and sordid negligence. The door, which was equipped with neither bell nor knocker, was blistered and disdained. The tramp slouched into the recess and struck matches on the panels. Children kept shot upon the steps. The schoolboy had tried his knife on the moldings, and for close on a generation, no one had appeared to drive away these random visitors or to repair their ravages. Mr. Enfield and the lawyer were on the other side of the by-street, but when they came abreast of the entry, the former lifted up his cane and pointed. Did you ever mock that door? he asked, and when his companion had replied in the affirmative, it is connected in my mind, added he, with a very old story. Indeed, 
said Mr. Utterson, with a slight change of voice. And what was that? Well, it was this way, returned Mr. Enfield. I was coming home from some place at the end of the world, about three o'clock of a black winter morning, and my way lay through a part of town where there was literally nothing to be seen but lamps, street after street, and all the folks asleep. Street after street, all lighted up as if for a procession, and all as empty as a church. Until at last I got into that state of mind when a man listens and listens and begins to long for the sight of a policeman. All at once I saw two figures. One, a little man who was stumping along eastward at a good walk, and the other, a girl, of maybe eight or ten, who was running as hard as she was able down a cross street. Well, so the two ran into one another, naturally enough, at the corner, and then came the horrible part of the thing. So the man trampled calmly over the child's body and left her screaming on the ground. It sounds nothing to hear, but it was hellish to see. It wasn't like a man. It was like some damn juggernaut. I gave a few hello, took to my heels, collared my gentleman, and brought him back to where there was already quite a group about the sweating the screaming child. He was perfectly cool and made no resistance, but gave me one look so ugly that it brought out the sweat on me like running. The people who it turned out were the girl's own family, and pretty soon the doctor, for whom she had been sent, put in his appearance. Well, the child was not much the worse, more frightened, according to the sawbones, and there you might have supposed would be an end to it. But there was one curious circumstance. I had taken a loathing to my gentleman at first night. So had the child's family, which is only natural. But the doctor's case was what struck me. He was the usual cut and dry apothecary of no particular age and colour, with a strong Edinburgh accent, and about as emotional as a bagpipe. Well, sir, he was like the rest of us. Every time you looked at my prisoner, I saw that sawbones turned sick and white with desire to kill him. I knew what was in his mind, just as he knew what was in mine, and kidding being out of the question, we did the next best, because the man who we called and would make such a scandal out of this, I should make his name stink from one end of London to the other. If he had any friends and cut it, we undertook that he should lose them. And all the time, as we were pitching it in Red Hot, we were keeping the women off him as best we could, for there was wild heartbeats. I never saw a circle of such hateful faces, and there was the man in the middle, with a kind of black, sneering coolness. Frightened too, I could see that, but carrying it off, sir, really like Satan. If you choose to make capital out of this accident, said he, I am naturally helpless. No gentleman but wishes to avoid a scene, says he. Name your figure. Well, we screwed him up to a hundred pounds for the child's family. It was clearly like to stick out, but there was something about the law of this that meant mischief, and at last he struck. The next thing was to get the money, and where do you think he carried us? But to that place with the door, whipped out a key, went in, and presently came back was the matter of ten pounds in gold and a cheque for the balance on coots, drawn payable to bear and signed with a name that I can't mention, though it's one of the points in my story, but it was a name at least very well known and often printed. The figure was stiff, but the signature was good for more than that if it was only genuine. I took the liberty of pointing out to my gentleman that the whole business looked apocryphal that a man does not, in real life, walk into a cellar door at four in the morning and come out with another man's cheque for close-up on a hundred pounds. But he was quite easy and sneering. Such a mind at rest, says he, I will stay with you till the banks open and cash the cheque myself. So we all set off the doctor, the doctor and Todd's father, and our friend and myself, and passed the rest of the night in my chambers. And next day, when we had breakfasted, we went in about in a body to the bank. I gave him the check myself and said, 
I had every reason to believe it was a forgery. Not a bit of it. The check was genuine. Put, put, said Mr. Ederson. I see you fit as I do, said Mr. Enfield. Yes, it's a bad story. But my man was a fellow that nobody could have to do with. A really damnable man. And the person that drew the check is the very cake of the proprieties. Celebrated too. And what makes it worse, one of your fellows who do what they call good. Jack Mayle, I suppose, an honest man, paying through the nose for some of the capers of his youth. Black Mellows is what I call the face with the door and consequence. Though even that, you know, is far from explaining all, he added, and with the words fell into a vein of musing. From this, he was recalled by Mr. Ederson, asking rather suddenly, And yet, now the drawer of the check lives there. A likely place, isn't it? returned Mr. Enfield, but I noticed his address. Uh, he lives in some square or other. And you never asked about the place with the door, said Mr. Ederson. No, sir, I had a delicacy, was the reply. I feel very strongly about putting questions. It partakes too much of the style of the day of judgment. You start a question and it's like starting a stone. You sit quietly on the top of the hill, and away the stone goes, stalking others, and presently some bland old bird, the last of the followers, is knocked on the head in his own back garden, and the family have to change the name. No, sir, I make it a rule of mine. The more it looks like Queer Street, the less I ask. A very good rule, too, said the lawyer. But he studied the place for himself, continued Mr. Enfield. It seems scarcely a house. There's no other door, and nobody goes in or out of that one, but once in a great while, the gentleman of my venture. There are three windows looking out on the court on the first floor, none below. The windows are always shut, but they're clean. And then there's a chimney, which is generally smoking, so somebody must live there. And yet it's not so sure, for the buildings are so packed together that the court and that it's hard to say where one ends and another begins. The pair walked on again for a while in silence, and then, Enfield, said Mr. Ederson, that's a good rule of yours. Yes, I think it is, returned Enfield. But for all that, continued the lawyer, there's one point I want to ask. I want to ask the name of that man who walked over the child well, said Mr. Enfield, I can't see what harm it would do. It was a man of the name of Hyde. Hmm, said Mr. Ederson. What sort of a man is he to see? He is not easy to describe. There's something wrong with his appearance. Something displeasing. Something downright detestable. I never saw a man I so disliked, and yet I scarce know why. He must be deformed somewhere. He has a strong feeling of deformity, although it couldn't specify the point. He is an extraordinary-looking man, and yet I really can name nothing out of the way. No, sir, I can make no hand of it. I can't describe him. And it's not want of memory, for I declare I can see him this moment. Mr. Ederson again walked some way in silence, and obviously under a weight of consideration. You're sure he is the king? He inquired at last. My dear sir, began Enfield, surprised out of himself. Yes, I know, said Ederson. I know it must seem strange. The fact is, if I do not ask you the name of the other party, it is because I know it already. You see, Richard, your tale has gone home. If you have been inexact in any point, you had better correct it. I think you might have warned me, returned the other with a touch of sullenness. But I have been pedantically exact, as you call it. The fellow had a key, and what's more, he has it still. I saw him leave it not a week ago. Mr. Ederson sighed deeply, but said never a word. And the young man presently resumed. Here's another lesson to say nothing, said he.
I am ashamed of my long tongue. Let us make a bargain, never to refer to this again. With all my heart, said the lawyer, I shake hands on that, Richard. I'm Sandra Rio, and I'm your host, Sandra London of LivingGrind.com. The songs you just heard were Chameleon by Shaolin Dub, Blown Up by Stefan Soleus, Chapter 1 of Jekyll and Hyde, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, uh, written by Robert Louis Stevenson, read aloud by yours truly, Sandra London of LivingGrind.com, and uh, El Elvis Harris news. So that pretty much concludes this evening's show. Be sure to check back with me next week live on the air. And yeah, let's see. Let's get out of here with Frontliner at the end. Good night.
Hello, all you sexy Naked Girls Radio listeners. Have yourself a naked day and make it a naughty night with me, Sandra London, on... Now that's better, baby. Why don't we sing a song to help pass the time? Hmm? Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Merrily, 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 life is down the stream. Merrily, 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 merrily. is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.